You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 405, Theatre of Cruelty Television. Are we sad to see the back of Jeremy Kyle? Last August, we made all sorts of football predictions. How did we do? And what's so good about the Eurovision Song Contest? That's all coming up after Teardrop Explodes and When I Dream. Go, whoa, 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 wh
Um, and, and yeah, that, that's often a phrase I associate with you. <laughs> it's a very short period in the sunshine of fame for uh, Teardrop Explodes, but for a year or two, they simply radiated psychedelic pop brilliance from 1980, number 47 only in the UK, uh, Teardrop Explodes and When I Dream. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 405, I'm Terence Stackham, and unauthorised entry to this site is strictly forbidden, unless you're Juliet Harris. Indeed. I, th- I thought you I, I thought you were implying I was the unauthorised site for a minute, or, or rather the site of being unauthorised entry. I was going to say, this has got a bit darker than I would have expected, but anyway, thankfully... Mm. It's me. Hi. Well, I'm assu- assuming you're wearing your safety boots and, you know, your white helmet. Then At you know. all times, yes. Yeah. I, I always look as if there has been a nuclear accident recently. <laughs> so, yes, that is very much my, uh, my MO. For as, for as long as history records, humiliation has been the centrepiece of much entertainment. Uh, Malvolio in Twelfth Night. In all lo- those Romans as well and throwing oh. people to lions and that. That was pretty humiliating if you were thrust in, into the, the pit of lions. I, I if you accept- were a lion, the outcome was considerably better but yeah I agree you were better off if you were a lion in such circumstances it's true Eliza Doolittle in Pygmalion and My Fair Lady Manuel in Faulty Towers and handpicked contestants in most series coming more up to date of X Factor and Britain's Got Talent they have a common thread and that is they are all made to look foolish for the audience's entertainment now where Malvolio and Manuel were fictional in recent years there's a vogue for continuing this form of degradation by using real people on television and parading them for the viewers at home to laugh and sneer at. Sometimes, like Susan Boyle, the story arc is set for them to be redeemed and break through Mm. the hoops of humiliation. But often... On confrontational shows like Jerry Springer, Love Island, and here in the in the UK, the Jeremy Kyle show, there usually is no redemption, just that strife-filled showdown where Kyle shouts and the crowd bay at participants. Now, this week, the Kyle show has been cancelled in rather tragic circumstances. Just what was the appeal of this show, Jules? And were ITV right to drop it? Well, can I just say, your opening monologue was possibly your best ever there. I felt like I was on the moral maze. It was extremely good. Well done. It's like being with Michael Burke. So um, so, so to, to kind of give a little bit more detail carefully about this yes. so that people kind of know that if, if listeners don't know the context, particularly if listeners outside the UK, I suspect, might yeah. not have such familiarity with this. Um, and hello to all of our listeners around the world, by the way. I always enjoy seeing the odd places where people listen. Mm. It's terrific. Um, I say odd, odd to me, but... Um, so the Jeremy Kyle show is this show over here in Britain which very much apes the Jerry Springer type model of having some uh, sort of a host that brings people on that that, that that talk about their kind of problems often they're rows with each other so and they're often called things like you know you're too fat for me to love or things like that with <laughs> confrontational titles mm. or you know it perhaps it aptly you know there's quite a lot of cheating based you know couples couple based cheating based strife which which is unfortunately sadly appropriate for this week's sort of debacle. Um, Jeremy Kyle is the self-titled host. He started off as a radio presenter and then ended up with this kind of radio-style problem show, which mutated into this TV show. And they had an episode which had been filmed, I think, in the last week or two, where 
And this man was driven to distraction by being accused of cheating uh, by his female partner. He insisted that he wasn't. So in order to do, in order to put, put the matter to bed, if you pardon the pun, they went <laughs> on to the Jeremy Kyle show. Um, he took a lie detector test to prove that he wasn't cheating, but unfortunately he failed it, despite the fact that he claimed to be telling the truth. Um, the, the, the producers claim that when they put them in a taxi at the end of the show, they had made up and it was okay. However, very sadly, it wasn't okay, and this poor chap took his own life a few days later as a result of which the show was then suspended and now has been cancelled entirely although not without allegedly according to the papers a three million payoff for jeremy kyle himself which Good sits Lord. in the craw a bit doesn't it really i didn't know that I, yeah well that's that's what the, that's what it is alleged mm. on on in in the sort of tabs i don't know if that's true or not but um i i don't I find, like you, I find these programmes completely alien and actually quite depressing. I watched a little bit of Jeremy Kyle once because I think, like lots of people, I wanted to see what the point of it was. And they're seen, I, I mean, Jerry Springer is often seen as, you know, these confrontational programmes, but there was something about Jerry Springer that there was, there always seemed to be somehow a note of humour to it, hence why we ended up with Jerry Springer. The, the opera, didn't we, and mm. Jerry Spring and the musical. There always seemed to be an element of panto about it, somehow. I don't know if I'm just reading into that. Whereas the Jeremy Cole show seemed to have such an undercurrent of nastiness to it, compared to compared even to something like Jeremy um, uh, Jerry Springer. And there's just something about it that it, it seems curiously apt for the age that we find ourselves in in Britain, which is an increasingly unhappy and literally poor country, I have to be honest. For, for lots of people, it is a poorer country. I don't think it's contra even controversial to say that anymore. And speaking to one of my friends who works as a nurse, who does sort of rounds, uh, not so much ward rounds as rounds, he's a district and community nurse, so he goes around people's houses. Mm. He said it is always on in people's houses and that you'd be surprised at the at the kind of the the level of uh, mm. the level of people that watch it and there's something I, I don't know i don't know how many people watch it from from different backgrounds but it seems to be something that's favored behind but by slightly less well-off people again i don't think it's controversial to say that and i'm not saying that as a criticism but there seems to be something about if your life is not in a terribly great place there is a comfort in watching somebody else whose life is in an even worse place i wonder mm. and i wonder if that is uh, why we're uh, as humans attracted to ritual sort of humiliations because there's always someone less w less well off than us isn't there literally in that situation and i guess it might be an element of a there by the there but for the grace of god go i possibly i don't know but it's a horrible program i'm glad it's finished um i'm cross if it's true that jeremy kyle has got that payoff because he has literally made money out of other people's misery you could argue that that you know people put themselves in this position slightly by going on the program the whole thing smacks of desperation by everybody involved to me it's just extremely depressing and 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 just unhappy and and you know poor in both literally and kind of metaphorically as well and i i wonder if people I've read stories and heard stories from, from friends that work in TV of, of the behaviour of producers on mm. some of these shows. The Trisha programme as well. I've heard sc scurrilous tales. Although it was a softer programme and she was rather softer in how she dealt with people, was far less preachingly moralistic, which is what really pees me off mm. about Jeremy Kyle. But, you know, to some extent, I think that, that producers of these programmes prey upon desperate people. I see, I put them in the same bracket as loan sharks, if you see what I mean. Mm. Yes, it's the fault of people... For, for going there but equally they're in a situation in their lives in a lot of cases i think where there doesn't really seem to be much other hope really the whole thing is is 
awfully depressing and in some ways symptomatic of, of parts of what is going on in Britain today, I think, for me anyway. I don't want to say... There's, a, there's this kind of lazy middle class way of going, oh my God, that is well Brexit at the moment. But there is just something about where Britain is at the moment where this seems sort of uh, sadly, sort of timely that this has happened really because I do feel that Jeremy Kyle says a lot about shows, says a lot about where, you know, where, where mm. parts of Britain is not in a good place at the moment. I, I a kind of specious argument, but I think some people will um, would argue back that participants on shows like Jeremy Carl have given their consent and yes, probably but, but on what terms though on what terms yeah well you know, some might say they know what they're getting into but I take your point I think the key thing is that it seems so many people will do almost anything to get on television and be famous even for that notional uh, 15 minutes and I, I, I think we know the answer to the question we all know and uh, do these shows exist to help the people who participate or to mock them to entertain mm. people at home. And just as people used to laugh at um, uh, the, the Elephant Man or poke sticks at patients at uh, at uh, Bethlehem Hospital in, in times past. But also, I think uh, you, something you said a, a few minutes ago um, re- reminded me, I, I sort of checked this week to remind myself of what qualifications this Kyle fellow has to act as mediator Mm. or therapist for the people on his show and of course the answer is zero he worked at Marks and Spencer and then as an insurance salesman before as you mentioned hitting on his uh, now familiar format originally on radio so Mm. like you I say good riddance to this awful show but I I don't know I I don't mean to put you on the spot I think you'll know the answer to this because of um, your legal background the the lie detectors that they use on these shows I mean there's obviously no degree of accuracy and I'm assuming there's actually no legal basis to say you know if if someone passes it or fails it there's actually no determined um, accuracy or or as I say a basis in law for being that, that being sort of acceptable Mm, well, it's it's uh, yeah. I because I, we don't use them in 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 British justice, do we? In no, the law courts, no, I don't court. think we do. Mm. I I yeah. They they. I, I my understanding is in Brit in Britain anyway that they are not given any kind of legal weight at all. And in fact, there was a story in the Standard yesterday, um, claiming from a p- former producer that they altered lie detector test results to make the program oh. more dramatic. God. So it is quite possible that that poor ch- chap might have died. Mm. Died. They said if the lie detector test was fifty-fifty, it would be up to the producer to decide a result. Oh, God. It doesn't sound. It doesn't sound great, really. Put it that way. So, um, so it seemed. It was. It was. It, apparently, they were also taught to control people to steam up anger ahead of appearances by repeatedly touching people's elbows. Which, to be honest, if someone did that to me, I would probably split their head open. So, so it's pretty. I don't know. It's 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 just so depressing, and it's and it and and I don't know what's more depressing: the fact that people behave like this to make TV in order to make TV programs, or the fact that people then happily watch them. Yes, it's hard to know which is worse, really. Coming well, next, or, or, or maybe sorry to no, sorry, sorry. To, 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 to to one more thought. Though. I say people happily watch them. Do people happily watch them, or do they just watch them for lack of something else to watch or do? Yeah, possibly do. Mm-hmm. If you're at home at whatever it is, 10 o'clock in the morning, yeah. maybe, you know, sitting on your sofa. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just something that's there, maybe. Mm-hmm, absolutely. OK, so I was saying, coming next, looking back at our 2018-19 football predictions, how badly did we do this year? Um, that's right after, and as Jules will explain shortly, a track relevant to our last topic, it's Wretch 32. Right over there. 
no way I float like a ribbon in the sky, no play It looks smooth or rugged I'm a Usain running car, does it in my own lane Then I'm a flash for the picture She'll come back, no I still a vista, computer love I map with my finger, baby I'm a man, not your mister, I missed ya My lifestyle's terribly wild But you never catch me on the Jeremy Kyle show Explosive, terrorist style Don't think I'm a blower, get the therapy now Oh, I miss school and I haven't got a job yet My cow's still and my daughter's on the way I went clubbing till my world was revolving Pretty women and alcoholic I ride smart, eat like a tractor I ride smart, eat like a train Choo-choo, go hard, go faster Stack peas every day I'm living my life, cause that's what I do best The girls on my bank when they show me interest Hey look, pounds or pennies, I don't scrounge off any I ain't fly, I am not an insect And I'm the life of the party I came with Ken, but I left with his Barbie Baby's with me, she can ride in the car seat If she's an angel, I'm Charlie, oh please My lifestyle's terribly wild But you never catch me on the Jeremy Carl show Explosive, terrible style Don't think I'm a blow against the therapy now oh. I miss school and I haven't got a job yet My cow's clear and my daughter's on the way I went clubbing till my world was revolving Pretty women and alcoholic I ride smart, eat like a tractor I ride smart, eat like a train Choo-choo, go hard, go faster Stack peas every day sort of music one would usually expect around these parts but the reason that I, I picked that is that you would never find him on Jeremy Carr well you wouldn't now because it's been cancelled but anyway he did he did reference that in there and also I really like that um, it was used I think in the opening either the opening or the closing I think the opening ceremony of the 2012 Olympics oh. that's where I first came across it anyway and I really like it it's I don't know much about Wretch 32 apart from that but I, I just I love how that moves I just think it's a really interesting song um, around the 
the same time as pass out by tiny temper as well there's sort of similarities there and i think that might have been used in the olympic opening ceremony as well or the closing ceremony but that was wretch 32 and we're spelling tractor with a k instead of a c because that's what young people do <laughs> i'd heard the track before but i, I hadn't picked up on the uh, jeremy carl reference so a perfect choice for this week mm. well for the last few years uh jules and i <laughs> we we've gone for a bit of uh, lols uh lols and bants each august by making predictions for the forthcoming football season and generally proving to be to, to both ourselves and uh, the wider world that we're rather hopeless at forecasting what the season yeah, ahead will bring. Yeah, that we know nothing at all mm. about anything. Well, with the Premiership now completed uh, last weekend, as we record this, it's time to look back and see how we did. And, spoiler alert, uh, with one or two exceptions, we, we actually did pretty well this year. First I, time I for everything. I have to say, uh, first time ever we've actually look, come out of this looking mm. reasonably good, by and large. Now we, we do five categories and we just whiz through them and see how we did. Um, the, the, the first category that we, we, um, we looked at in August was the team to win the championship, which for people uh, overseas and not particularly interested in football is the division below <laughs> the Premier League. And um, we, we did OK. And then Juliet picked uh, Middlesbrough, who ended up finish, finishing seventh. But they were in the promotion places for quite a bit of the season. Just mm. fell away at the end. And, and interestingly, Tony Pulis, their manager, was moved on today. So presumably their expectations were that they might win as well, I suspect. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I picked Aston Villa, who mm. finished fifth. And they've worked their way through in the playoffs to the final. So they may yet uh, of the to, to go up to the Premiership. So that's on the 27th of May. So I, I consider you to be to the good out of that. I don't think that was a bad prediction at all. Just so, but uh, I, I can't uh, really wear the crown for long there because our next category was uh, the first sacking in the Premier League. Um, the actual first sacking was poor old uh, Slavis uh, Jokanovic at Fulham who poor lasted... what's his name indeed? Yes, he lasted until the 14th of November uh, last year, which is pretty good. For the, usually the first sacking happens... October you know, time, <laughs> isn't yes, it? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I got this catastrophically wrong. I, I, I chose Neil Warnock of Cardiff mainly because I can't I stand the fellow. A bad, yeah, exactly, and I don't think it was a bad shout, personally. I, it, was, it was very plausible. But he lasted through to the bitter end, so... On that, you know, on that uh, judgment, I didn't do very well. But you were inspired. He did, he did get it, although he he uh, he did. They did get relegated, mm. and they have now decided that he will be staying there after all. Yes. From this QPR fan, thank you very much indeed, because <laughs> we probably would have ended up with him again otherwise. Oh, no. But um, but yeah, the, I think the only reason why he didn't get sacked is that they probably can't get any better, and he probably can't get another job. So I, I feel that he is. Uh, they like Theresa May and the Tory Party at the yes. moment. I think Cardiff from Neil Warnock. <laughs> Um, I wonder what I don't know what the odds were of Jose Mourinho being sacked at Manchester United at the start of last season. Having finished the previous season second only to Manchester City, he seemed to be in a good place and it seemed ready to press on. Yet you inspired, you picked Jose Mourinho as uh, uh, an early sacking in the Premiership and by Germany he was spot on. Well, I don't, I don't know what it was about it, but I could just sense it going wrong. I don't know why. I could just, I just had a feeling that it would not end well, and that did actually turn out to be correct. He wasn't the first, but I think he might have been the second. He certainly wasn't far off. And uh, yeah, not that. Um, 
not that Manchester United, of course, uh, did that much better at the end of the season. They seem to be in a happier place briefly when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took over. be interesting to see what happens with them. Essentially, they need to do what Alice Ferguson did towards the end of the 94-95 season, which is basically get rid of a load of dead wood and try and start again with some young players, which I think Ole's about to do. So it'd be interesting to see if that works. The good news is at least we should see less of both Mourinho and Warnock next season. As neither well, seem... Which can only be happy, a happy outcome for everybody. Really. Yeah, neither of them are sort of destined to work in the Premiership again uh, in the immediate well, future. One, anyway. would, one would hope not, anyway. We are, our third category out of five is that we both pick a, a surprise team, one that we think mm. perhaps you know out of the blue will do better than expected. Again, um, we'll do a Leicester to use the phrase. Exactly. Yes. The, the, the yep. Now you pick Crystal Palace, and um, they finished twelfth, which was better than than many expected. Yes, and it wasn't a brilliant performance, but it was it was better than it was better than the expectation. Like you say, they did reasonably well. And um, I pick Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers, which I think was a good pick. Because it was a really good choice, I think. Yeah, they, they got promoted the previous year and finished in seventh, just uh, outside the European qualification places. Which I so. think is probably known as doing a Brighton, isn't it? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. by the way, utterly furious that they've sacked Chris Hooton. And nobody <sighs> I know thinks that was a good decision. I, I couldn't agree with him. It was an absolutely wretched decision, uh, sacking Chris Hooton at Brighton. And, um, you know, he achieved wonders on a shoestring budget yeah, and, absolutely. and nobody else could have done better than he did on with the resources that he had and i think that brighton might be learning the whole way possibly yeah. next season also something particularly grim about sacking a man who has been on the on the pitch with his grandchildren the afternoon before i thought that was particularly <sighs> shabby cool. very shabby absolutely that's the word for it i think uh relegation places we mm. we both did very well really juliet picked cardiff newcastle and fulham and Cardiff and Fulham did go, and Newcastle, uh, you know, could easily have been one of them. But that was a good two out of three. Cardiff and Fulham. That's got not right. a bad result, I don't think. I did this. I got two out of three. I picked Huddersfield, Brighton, and Cardiff. Mm. Um, um, and Brighton did finish seventeenth. They did. They finished just outside. But I think uh, I lose a lot of credibility there because um, uh, Fulham. Um, I, I picked them as finishing way up the table in 10th place. Oh uh, because, well, well, they invested so much money in the closest mm. jobs. I, th- I naively just, thought they, they knew what they were doing. Be, well, absolutely. It just turned out to be poor quality investments, didn't it, William? And Fulham have done quite well in the past. They had that, that European Cup run a few years ago. So mm. so there's always a, a feeling with Fulham that they have the potential with the setup there to do well. Now, the final uh, predictions that we made were for the top four places mm-hmm. in the Premier League. The big one, basically. Now, I did reasonably well, but again, there was a sort of catastrophic element to it. But then <laughs> wait till we get to hear what Juliet picked. I picked Tottenham fourth, which was correct. Um, but and, and then I picked Liverpool in second place and Manchester City first, which again, What's spot on, you think. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very good, you'd say. Well done, Terence Stackham. But in third place, I picked Man United. And oh, I, I, again, yeah. had no idea of the hell that was to become of their season. Well, it's finished sixth, in fairness. So it mm. wasn't like they got relegated. It no. wasn't completely mental, in fairness. But wait till you get to this, because this was uh, Juliet's uh, predictions last August. In fourth place, Tottenham. Correct. In third place, Chelsea. Correct. Your and Chelsea, can I point out? Chelsea. I have more faith than the new did. I know. And then the top two, 
you picked Man City and Liverpool. The only fly in the ointment is you got them the wrong way around. <laughs> you had Liverpool, Man City second and Liverpool top. But, but there, there was what, superb. But, All four, you got right. Very much. I mean, it just goes to show the the quality of the of the Premier League this season or the Premiership or whatever it is they're calling it this week. The, 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 <laughs> the quality of the top division now. I mean, there was one point between the two of them. So that's my defence of my prediction. But also, in what season would you get 97 points and finish second? That is crazy. And the idea as well that, I mean, what a season. The last year, someone said this to me the other day for British football. They said, I think I'm going to have to get Sky and BT Sports again. Because Mm. within the last year, we've had an England team that got to the semi-finals of a World Cup. We've had a a Premier League that's resulted in a, a, a last day of the season who's going to win the title with one point in it where both teams scored in the 90s we've had a European Champions League final we're going to have that with Liverpool and uh, and Tottenham in the final who both got through in such jaw-droppingly dramatic and exciting circumstances and the other European Cup what those of us in old money call the UEFA Cup <laughs> is also an all-British final between uh, between your Chelsea Indeed. and uh, and it's Arsenal isn't it? It is Arsenal, Arsenal. Yeah, in Baku in so Azerbaijan. In Baku. So, so what a season for British football. Slightly worrying feeling that for the next few years it's going to be Manchester City and Liverpool and then the interesting bit will be continue to be the race for third and fourth place. Mm, they look right. so they far really, ahead. They do. And to be fair, Liverpool is partly money, of course, mm. but it's also... Klopp seems to be quite a special person that seems to have engendered quite a sort of special spirit. I mean, for them to come back down from 3-0 on aggregate to beat Barcelona 4-0 that was there was something special happening there and actually the same in Tottenham to be fair when they when they whacked uh, Ajax be interesting to see we'll, re- we'll, we'll do our new predictions later on in the summer but if the rumours that Pochettino is on his way out mm. of Tottenham are true then they may struggle I think I was wondering, you know, a bit like, um, you know how American football teams retire the shirt number of their biggest stars yes. when they stop playing as a mark of respect? Maybe we should retire this feature while we're ahead because we'll never reach these <laughs> heights true. again. Maybe we should quit <laughs> while we're ahead rather than, you know, the, 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 uh, enjoy ever-diminishing returns. But who knows? I, I, I think we should enjoy our moment in the sun, Terrence, <laughs> because, yeah. because of the, um, the rather sort of jocular abuse that we get on Twitter where we get things wrong. It, it would be nice. I'm looking forward to all of the Twitter congratulating us which I'm sure will not come (laughs) just what's so good about the Eurovision Song Contest I can't wait for this that's next right after this lovely track from Leon Bridges I better slow down cause I keep keep tripping on words I don't want to say just tell me right now cause I keep keep seeing the signs you want me to stay I can't commit, I can't make plans Sometimes the bed ain't worth the hand I think it's special, it makes me sad Don't wanna wonder what we could have Can't be a man Sometimes a bed isn't worth the hand And I can't keep letting this wave carry me away So tell me right now Cause I keep, keep 
got it bad I think you know You're everything You're beautiful But my life is fast Can't make it slow We're here right now Kiss me before I go But you got to let me go he has a track that was released as a single last year and taken from his most recent album good thing the tremendous leon bridges and bet ain't worth the hand i really love that i've been playing that a lot this week from liz asia in 1956 through to Mm. netta in 2018 and taking Mm. in lulu abba and celine dion along the way once each year in late spring we arrive at a much-loved day for lovers of Europe, uh, whilst Brexiteers are probably unplugging their televisions in horror. <laughs> uh, the, the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, in ever-changing times, in terms of how we access music, there still seems to be a place in many people's hearts for this show that's been an annual event for 63 years. Which leads mm. us to the question, Jules, what's so good about the Eurovision Song Contest? Do you know, I'm not even sure I know, but I've been obsessed <laughs> with it for like forever. So let me try and unpack yeah. it. What do I like about the Eurovision contest? I, I like the fact that it goes on, that it's something that you can have a party to, that it goes on for absolutely ages, that my mum really likes it. It involves music, which is always quite good fun, and new music, music that I've not heard before usually. Um, you get to a window into, into other people's kind of pop markets in two senses. One in what they think is acceptable to put on a European stage, mm-hmm. musically-wise, and secondly, what both their, their musical jury experts and their general public seem to like. Yes, there is a lot of politically weighted nonsense, and that's become even more so since the Euro- since the Eastern European nations have kind of taken over a bit. Mm. But I just I just think it's great fun. I think it's I think it's really silly. I think Twitter is at its best during the European mm-hmm. the Eurovision Song Contest. Although unfortunately, I'm I'm slightly dreading it this year. It's in Tel Aviv this year as Netta Uh-oh. from Israel won last year and. Yeah, I think we're going to deal with a lot of um, a lot of anti-Semitic nonsense. I'm not going to call it anti-Zionist nonsense. It is anti-Semitic nonsense, and that's all there is to it, in my view. Um, so I, I'm disappointed that my enjoyment of people being silly about it on Twitter might be ruined by mm. just people being stupid, as always. But having said that, I, I just think it's I just think it's silly and it's fun. The it has become a lot more professional in the last few years, which is what what makes ridiculous entries. I think it was Slovenia or Slovakia last year that had a, a, an, entry, a, an entry called My Lucky Day that involved three people in different coloured clothings opening and closing doors while <laughs> singing this kind of um, slightly 
bonkers kind of tune, which actually had a really strong chorus. And I like the fact that when you have occasionally bonkers entries, and one year my my I had a house party and we voted collectively for Moldova on the basis that they featured lots of people in very tall cone hats <laughs> and a woman that unicycled on stage holding a Vuva Sailor, which she then didn't play. So, I mean, I, occasionally you get daft things like that. And those that rather than the kind of the endless trance tunes that the European industries seem to pump out nowadays, by the way, I, I, I like the kind of nonsense things. There's an Icelandic kind of some sort of Icelandic fetish metal band that are playing this year. Apparently there was some they had the semi-finals on now. So you get to see it's almost like here's what you could have won. I was very sad a few years ago. It came up in my Facebook memories the other day that I was heartbroken over some um uh, rappers from Montenegro who did this kind of dubstep style number whilst dressed as spacemen and I was very sad they did not make the final I felt that Europe would have embraced them frankly but I, I just think it's it's daft it, in a way I quite like the fact that it brings us a bit closer to our neighbours in Europe, mm. although unfortunately since Iraq they have found a different reason mm. to hate us every year in the voting which is a pity, um, but what can I say? I just It's just escapism. It's pure escapism. Last year, actually, around the time of Eurovision, I had quite a serious car accident and managed to write my car off and uh, and cause myself some damage, which took a while to heal. And I couldn't go out on Eurovision Song Contest. No, and I have to say, it cheered me up no end watching it on TV because it's just daft escapism, really. And uh, I, I like it. I like the mix of silliness and uh, and, and, and actual, actually cynicism as well. And I do like it when you see countries that have really tried to workshop what they think is going going to work and it just falls flat on its face every year it, it, it does make me chuckle you mentioned the voting there when, when i was a young boy my late father would return to two themes as the eurovision uh, judging uh, um, unfolded the voting um he would always bearing in mind he fought in the second world war he predicted that the germans wouldn't give us any points whatsoever that was one of his themes every year and mm. then moaning if we gave ireland a lot of points and they gave less to us and i think that was mainly to wind up my mother who was born in the Republic of Ireland. So, <laughs> oh, but, uh, thank you for that that insight. Little insight into home life, yes, that's them, right. Yeah. I'm not sure how my father would have voted if he'd been alive when the Brexit vote was taken, but I think I could guess. Um, there's two things that I... There's one thing I can't bear about Eurovision, which I sort of can't bear, but I'm quite glad it's there because it makes me sort of wince in that really kind of good way about Eurovision. Mm. And, and that is the stilted... Uh, scripted conversations between the host presenters which oh they are amazing aren't they they're so bad yet they're so great yeah it's it's sort of cringe makingly contrived like one will say oh that's a nice dress you're wearing tonight and then the other one will say yes and now i'm going to address you about the news on how to vote oh, and you said this, oh, this, oh, this is so good or, or all squirm. of a sudden one will go that is a nice dress and she will go will you not prefer this one pulls off dress to reveal yeah. another dress underneath it's it's all a bit um, and they're not helped by the fact bless them that, that they're often speaking in something that is not their first language so i'm going to i'm going to defend the slight stiltedness here and also I don't always get the impression the technological setup of some countries is quite all it could it be. So true. you are you are having to listen to an earpiece that's cutting in and out. We're talking, someone sh- a producer wildly shouting cues at you that you can't properly hear. Um, then you have to you have to deliver something in a language that is not your language. I have some sympathy for the as much as I enjoy laughing at them. I have some sympathy for the to the hapless Eurovision presenters. But there's one bit that I just really just cannot stand, and mm. there's no there's no caveat to it, and I 
think I may make myself see unpopular. Talk, let's see if I can talk you down. All me. right. I, I think I'm going to rock the boat. I'm going to say I could happily swerve Graham Norton's irritating oh, commentary. I'm not sure, yes. I absolutely guarantee that once again he will show off because he's seen the rehearsals mm. and he says before so many of the songs, oh, look out for the costumes in this one or, oh, there's a devastating violin solo coming up here. <laughs> All right, mate. You've seen them already. We get it. Shut up and let us figure it out for ourselves. Can't bear it. Okay, I, I do kind of understand that, I must admit. Occasionally, I think that that can be quite funny, but I agree with you that he does overplay it sometimes and it does come across as a bit smug. I did very much enjoy one year. You know when they have the, the jury person that delivers it? One of my favourite bits is trying to spot who delivers it for Britain each year, by the way. We've had some crackers. Uh, what? Uh, this is almost a quiz question. What other circumstance would you have a, our country's democratic vote delivered by Lorraine Kelly one year <laughs> and Nigella Lawson the next? I mean, it is it is pretty... They, I'm sorry that Scott Mills seems to have taken it over now because I very much enjoyed the randomness of who's it going to be this year? Oh, look, it's Philip Schofield or just someone completely unexpected. One year they had a, a, a rather surfery-looking Danish dude um, <laughs> presenting his thing. I think he was called Felix. And he was sat there looking rather sun-kissed and a li- not scruffy, but a little bit unkempt. And Graham Norton said, in what appeared to be genuine surprise, oh, is it him doing it? I thought that was just some technician they got to sit in, in the rehearsal. I didn't know he was actually going to do it. Occasionally like that, it can be quite funny i do think he's quite witty um he does i have to say he does make me laugh sometimes there was one year when um when a uh a, 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 i think it was she was belarusian or something did this she was meant to be an opera singer and he said beforehand rather doubtfully or oh, apparently she can do incredible things with her voice i'll leave you to judge that mm. and it was operatic singing that didn't quite get there how can i put it and uh, there was a particularly painful long high note near the end and as she finished and the audience erupted there was a pause and graham norton just said and when they get her medication right, she will never do that again. And he's very good at that devastating kind of put down. So I agree that his kind of, oh, look, I'm in the gang is occasionally a little bit irritating. But having said that, I do think that he, the other thing that I like about his commentary, and I do like this, is that he is genuinely a fan of Eurovision. Mm. I he is genuinely loves it. I felt towards the end of Terry Wogan's tenure, he had become so... I know it's a little bit sacrilegious to say this, given that he's passed away, but mm. he had been very good. But I thought towards the end, he just became very cynical, cynical very yes. insulting. Whereas actually, for all that Graham Norton is a bit, you know, catty sometimes, there are moments where he will say, oh, well, I really like this song, or it'll be interesting to see how that does, where you think, actually, you are genuinely interested in this, and you are a genuine fan. And actually, I can excuse him a little bit, for showing off because I do get the impression that he is actually still quite excited to be there and maybe that's some of it I'll, I'll be kind to Graham Norton there's one other thing about the BBC coverage I don't specifically blame Graham Norton though he may be, be behind the decision don't know but it's this business where he reads out um, shout outs to people having parties at home mm. which is great for the four people sitting on the sofa in Saffron Walden or Swindon uh, mm. they get their name shouted out but I mean, there's an audience of like 10 or 12 million or something we don't want to hear that stephanie and graham are hosting a a small cocktail party 
in Stretford, uh, you know, for their... Well, I don't know. I don't mind that so much. I, I mean, then, but then I'm, I'm less grumpy in general than you. This is so, true. So I just, I just don't... There I think is it's that. it's quite nice. I think it's quite sweet. As someone that regularly benefits from shout-out from six music presenters, I think it's quite exciting. So <laughs> I will happily get... And also, the Printworks, which is one of my favourite venues in Hastings, occasionally gets a shout-out because Graham Norton sometimes comes to Hastings. So so we're quite defenders of Graham Norton in the Hastings area because he did have a house fairly locally, I think. I'm not sure if he still does. And he does sort of come down. And M- Maria, the um, the lady that uh, that does his, his, his agony aunt on Grill Graham, on his, Maria McCurlin on his radio show... She lives locally, I think, or does sometimes, and uh, I, the, we are big fans of both of them here. Uh, bless Graham, who who launched the uh, the Hastings Pancake Race every year, the annual toss off <laughs> that we have in Hastings was, uh, and that is the name. Obviously, it's to do with yes, tossing yes, pancakes. Got, got, Graham yeah. Norton, uh, Graham Norton uh, uh, launched that and fired the starting pistol. So, uh, so yeah, you picked the wrong woman to slag off Graham <laughs> Norton to. I am afraid. Now, Jules, when you're not uh, revelling in a kind of Europe- Eurovision party extravaganza this Absolutely, weekend... Absolutely, which I am going to a Eurovision mm. party, and I'm very excited. Uh, we have Maybe to you'll pay- get a shout-out. Well, maybe, maybe we will. Who knows? Maybe Graham will be listening to this. I hope so. Anyway, we yeah, we the plan is everyone has to take um, take a, be a food food and drink of the of the of Europe. Uh, we are taking some Fosters to celebrate Australia's uh, inexplicable entry into the Eurovision Song Contest. And <laughs> um, so, when you're not when you're not doing that, what what are you up to this week? Well, this week, coming week, I've got various things which, which you know, the dental appointments and book group and whatnot, which people probably oh, no, no. Let's aren't Make a note of all in. of that, yeah. I was going to say, yes, it was hugely fascinating, I'm sure. I am at the Dragon Bar again Ooh. on Friday the 24th of May, DJing, reunited with my pal Bongo Debbie. Bongo which, Debbie. Yes, oh, your lovely. much favourite Bongo yeah. Debbie. Yes, we will be playing all kinds of dark tunes from 8 until 11pm. And also, my new work appear to be making it their works outing. So if you'd like to meet my colleagues as well as me, <laughs> please do pop down. Um, now, thanks to you for listening yes always and thanks to rona and hilly as well and uh, jules we're going back to eurovision to play us out yes indeed apologies if you hate eurovision just turn it <laughs> off now but however <laughs> when, having, having enjoyed eurovision last year i am um, i i felt this song deserved more of a of a, a a wind a fair wind than it did really i i found i often find i have to be honest i often find myself whistling the chorus from this it is so insanely catchy sorry for re- wreaking this on your life uh, this chap um from norway um I, I, I can never pronounce his name properly but i believe that if i'm going to pronounce it properly um i pronounce it as um alexander ryback i think is hmm. how we pronounce it and i thought this deserved to do much better yeah. than it did and it not only is it incredibly catchy in a kind of a new jack swing 90s type way also do revel in its silliness and it's not entirely comprehensive advice on songwriting i mean my my friend and i listened to the chorus repeatedly last year in in the hope we would glean some insights as to how to write our next masterpiece and we never really found ourselves any further forward anyway this is alexander ryback and this is that's how you write a song Small things, with time they will get big 
Listening to a Parish Council production.